Let's get this party started. Welcome to Tinsel Tunes. I'm musician and producer Scott Newman. I'm musicologist Jay LaChapelle. Happy spring, Jay. I think we can officially say it's spring. I would officially say that spring has sprung. You know, if you're in one of those cold places, like the plants are starting to poke through the dirt, I would imagine. If you're in one of those warm places like me here in Southern California, then it just seems like another day. Yeah, you could probably almost start going back in the ocean, right? Oh, I've never stopped. Oh, okay. Well, we're getting our 70-degree days in Denver, and we're getting our snow in the same week. So it's fun. I I love it. There's never a dull moment. The ocean is cold here in Southern California year-round, and I think sometimes people think uh, it's tropical, but it's actually just usually in the uh, low 60s, pretty much. Uh, It's upper 50s now, which makes it a little chillier, but... This is about the time of year where I start getting made fun of for wearing uh, boots in the water uh, when I surf. So because that's, you know, keep my feet a little extra warm. So this is usually when the water starts to warm up. Much like you say about my snow, uh, I'm going to say better you than me. I, I have no desire to get into 60 degree ocean water. Understood. <laughs> Jay, I want to play a little game with you here. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to hum four notes. This is kind of our version of name that tune. Yes. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Da, 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 da. Do you know what song that is? Of course. It, it's, it is immediate. Okay. It is. Uh, the Well, I, you know, I actually honestly until recently did not know what the name of this song was up until a couple of years ago. At least it feels that way. And it's because once I had kids and this song was performed regularly, like at functions, I started to actually see what it's, what it's called. But... It's one of the, it's like Pavlov or whatever. I mean, I don't know what uh, uh, Pavlovian? it's Pavlovian. Yeah, yeah the reaction is immediate Christmas. And that four note thing is something very interesting about this song. But I'll let you continue, please. The song is Carol of the Bells. Yes. And I chose it for a couple of reasons that we're going to get into shortly. But I'm going to make a bold statement. This is my favorite Christmas song. Okay. Do tell. It's recognizable. It's immediate. There are so many versions and genres that this song can be performed in. I just love it. And I love the tune. The tune is haunting and wonderful to me. Yeah, I feel like, uh, and there's a theme here, though, that with iconic Christmas songs, especially ones that are just have these riffs or hooks or whatever that are just like you know pavlovian like we were saying many of them were were never christmas songs to begin with and i believe that this may be among that ilk jay let me play an extended clip of the song before we get into it because i just i just want to hear this beautiful melody this is the tabernacle choir performing carol of the bells Now, Jay, by the measure that we use on Jingle Jank, I would say this is an extremely popular song. Yes. Not necessarily any specific version of the song, but 
just all of them. Carol of the Bells is very popular. I don't think you can make it through a Christmas season without hearing it a dozen times. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And I would say the standard would be if you could only have one Christmas album and it was limited to 20 tracks. And I don't want to get into what the 20 tracks are. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a great episode for the future. It, yeah, it does. It does. And I think this would have to be among them. I don't even think it's a, like a debate, but we haven't put 20. That's another episode. Yeah. But definitely this is canon or whatever yeah. the uh, editor's choice. <laughs> I totally agree. This is an extremely popular holiday tune, but the original lyrics for this song had nothing to do with Christmas. Do you know the origin of this song, or should I fill you in and enlighten you? Yeah, fill us in and enlighten us, and I ha- you know, I'll confess that I know the origin of the song and preparing for it. Sure. The lyrics of the song we know is Carol of the Bells are English, but the melody is a Ukrainian composition called Shedrik. I'd like to play a clip. Here's Shedrik with the Ukrainian lyrics. That was Shedrik, and I apologize to any of our Ukrainian listeners. I'm pretty good with languages, but Eastern European languages are very difficult, and there's probably some nuance that I'm missing to it. So if my pronunciation is is horrible to your ears, I do apologize for that. Not enough vowels, letters that aren't letters. (laughs) There are a lot of consonants in there. Backwards R's. (laughs) So Jay, that was undoubtedly the tune we know as Carol of the Bells, Before doing the research for this show, I had never heard those lyrics. I had never heard the original Ukrainian. Have you? I I had not, no. So this was definitely something that I learned in preparing for the show. uh, And it made me actually think about the song very differently. I totally agree with you. I have a wildly new appreciation for the melody and for the lyrics. Let's get into the history of Shedrik first. I just want to mention real quickly that... The Ukrainian origin was something I was familiar with, and that's why I asked you if we could do this song this week. There's a very difficult situation going on in the world, and we're not going to get into the politics of it, but it made me think about the Ukrainians, and uh, I thought about this song, and I wanted to know more. The internet did not disappoint with all the information. I, I sent you a text last night that I was in hour four of research of this, and it was a lot of fun. It was a labor of love on this one. The Ukrainian song Shedrik was written by a composer named Mykola Lentovich. And that's another one where the name is, it sounds slightly different when a native Ukrainian speaker says it. So I'm probably butchering it and destroying it. But it was written in 1916. The song was based upon a traditional folk chant that was usually sung to celebrate the new year, which at the time was in the spring. At the time of the traditional folk chant, not in 1916. Before the introduction of Christianity in the region, New Year was celebrated in the spring. And I thought that was really neat. So now we have two tie-ins. We have the Ukrainians and we have spring. And boy, did these things come together to make a really interesting topic today. The lyrics of Shedrick tell the tale of a swallow flying into a household to sing of the bountiful year that the family will have. The title of the song comes from the Ukrainian word Shedrij, which means bountiful. 
Jay, you're the history buff here. 1916 was a time of political and social struggle in this area of the world. Yes. During World War One, which went on through 1917 or 1918, I believe, Ukraine was located between Russia and Austria-Hungary. And Ukrainian villages were regularly destroyed in the crossfire of that fighting. Yes, Ground Zero uh, are among uh, those areas for uh, the First World War, yes. And we were between the two Russian revolutions, 1905 and 1917, so this whole area was... I don't know how to describe it. It was uh, was a difficult time, and I think it's pretty amazing that something this beautiful came out of such a difficult time. Yeah, a tremendous amount of culturally, if you think about it, and, you know, we can probably all relate to this in some extent, but a tremendous amount of volatility and uncertainty and things of that change happening. So people, you know, having something that you can believe in that inspires hope, uh, which I think was in part of what what was the purpose behind the song. Lendovich's home city of Kamenets Padilsky, that's a difficult one to say, it was the temporary capital of the Ukraine's People Republic during the 1917 Russian Revolution where a lot of this fighting occurred. And I like what you had to say, Jay. Yes, it, a song about hope in an extremely hard time, something that we've never had to face as, you know, suburban white Americans. So Right, right, exactly. Tough to understand. Yeah, I can't empathize, but I can sympathize. Right, exactly. And it, it made me really appreciate this. I want to talk for a minute about what the original Ukrainian lyrics are about. And I have an English translation of these Ukrainian lyrics. Now, it's not word for word, and it's mostly the gist of it, but I want to read it to you. Are you ready? I am ready. And I'm not going to do it to the cadence or the tune of the song. I'm just going to read it. A little swallow flew into the household and started to Twitter to summon the master. Come out, come out, O master. Look at the sheep pen where the ewes are nestling, and the lamb can have been born. Your goods, livestock, are great. You will sell them for a lot of money. If not money, then harvested grain. You have a dark-eyebrowed wife, which the translation is is beautiful there. (laughs) You have a hairy wife. (laughs) A little swallow flew. With one eyebrow. So the, the lyrics don't mean a whole lot to us. That is the original folk chant that this came from. But like you said, it's a song about hope and rebirth and spring and all of those tropes that go along with it. Yeah, I'm just still kind of stuck on the hairy wife thing, but go on. Well, he didn't say hairy wife. He said dark eyebrowed wife, which is a term of beauty. Yeah, for my purposes, I'm going to gonna think it's hairy wife, and that's how okay. I'm going to spit it with my family. If any Ukrainians would like to write in and complain, just put it in the subject line that this is for Jay. Yes, please. I, I'm, I have and will continue to be making considerable donations through Project Hope to yeah, Ukraine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll title this episode with apologies to Ukrainians. <laughs> Yeah, both for charitable purposes and to make amends for anything I've said. <laughs> for a minute, I want to talk about who Lentovich was, because he has a fascinating story and with a sad ending to it. Mikolo Lentovich was a Ukrainian composer, conductor, and math teacher. He was born into a family of priests, and he attended an Eastern Orthodox seminary in Ukraine. He participated in the seminary's orchestra and choir, studying music theory and writing choral arrangements, which is an important note there. When the seminary's choir director died, the school requested that Lentovich take over this position. As the conductor of the choir, Lentovich added secular music to the repertoire of traditional church music, which that was a little controversial, especially at the time. Lentovich graduated from the seminary in 1899, and he broke the family tradition by becoming a music teacher instead of a priest. 
He became a choir master, and he was known for arranging Ukrainian, Polish, Armenian, and Jewish folk songs for choirs. As we mentioned, though, this was between the two Russian revolutions. This brought him to the attention of Russian revolutionaries who did not appreciate his multicultural artistry, and they considered him a troublemaker. The word that they use for it is intelligentsia. (laughs) When many artists fled this region following the first Russian Revolution in 1905, Lentovich stayed in the area. He moved to a town called Tolchin. In Tolchin, Lentovich wrote the song Shedrick in 1916. By 1918, he had organized the Ukrainian National Orchestra and Choir in Kiev. Soon after, the Soviets began persecuting the intelligentsia again, so he fled from Kiev back to Tolchin. And this is where the story ends and takes a sad note here. Over the Christmas holiday in 1921, the Lentoviches took in a house guest who turned out to be an agent of the Soviet secret police. This agent assassinated Lentovich, robbed the family, and fled. That was the end of Mikula Lentovich. So a sad little note on that one, Jay, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, Russians. <laughs> Which just reinforces what we were talking about, how this was a, a difficult time of upheaval in the area. And unfortunately, he paid the ultimate price for it. That was kind of sad. Yeah, that definitely is a sad ending. And I was not aware of this part of the, you know, the lineage of the song or the story before this. I had no idea about any of this stuff, which is why we do this. I mean, we do it for ourselves as much as we do it to make content for other people. So I, I was fascinated by it. Why don't we take a quick break to catch our breath? When we come back, we'll discuss how Shedrick went from a New Year's song and became a Christmas song. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, Jay, we're back. Let's talk about how this became a Christmas song, because up until this point, we have a song about New Year's and spring. But I want to take the turn from Shedrick to Carol of the Bells here. To explain this, we have to quickly talk about a man named Peter Wilhowski. He was an assistant music director of the New York City school system who also taught classes at Juilliard. He was a choir master whose choirs performed on NBC radio shows in the 1930s. In 1936, he needed a holiday song for a broadcast. Wilhowski recalled a song he had heard in 1921 or 1922 that was performed by the Ukrainian National Choir, call back there, Jay, to before the break when we talked about Mm -hmm. how Lentovich formed the Ukrainian National Choir. They were on tour in the United States, and Peter Wilhowski heard Shedrick. He kept the four-note motif that we're going to get into in a little bit, but he rewrote the lyrics to be about the legend of the bells. Have you ever heard of the legend of the bells? This was completely new to me. Yes. The legend of the bells says that at midnight on the first Christmas, all the bells on earth began to spontaneously ring. Now, that's probably apocryphal and a little fantastical, (laughs) but it's interesting, and I never knew the legend of the bells. In fact, when I heard this mentioned, I searched for it and really couldn't find anything. So this is the way it was described to me. If you think about the lyrics of Carol of the Bells, it's, um, it's something that keeps building and building and building, much like all the bells on earth ringing at once would be building in this crescendo of sound. Right. So the layered lyrics in this song are meant to emulate the sound of more and more bells ringing across the globe. And as the song ends, these vocal layers fade until we're left with a single bell fading away into Christmas morning. And that was pretty profound. You go from this amazing 
almost audio assault back down to one where they're going ding dong, ding dong. And that's the bells, you know, fade, fading out across the world. Yeah. I just thought that was so cool. And now when I'm listening to the song, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Will Housky titled his piece Carol of the Bells with the subtitle A Ukrainian Carol. So he gave full credit to where this came from, and I thought that was pretty neat. In the 1930s, several choirs that Wilhowski directed began performing this anglicized arrangement during the Christmas holiday season. So this is how it went from a Ukrainian folk chant to a full-on Christmas song. Unlike many of the songs that we talk about and say, hey, there's no mention of Christmas anywhere in the song, there is mention of Christmas in Carol of the Bells. Yes. It's talking about, you know, Merry, 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 Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah, emphatically so, Merry Christmas. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Undoubtedly a Christmas song. Before we start playing other versions of the song, I do want to discuss the music a little bit. It's based on a four-note ostinato, and it's in a three-quarter time signature, which we're not really going to get into that too much. But I do want to talk about ostinato because it's really neat. Yeah. In music, ostinato is an Italian word for stubborn, or it's derived from the Italian word for stubborn. In English, we'd use the word obstinate. It's a motif or phrase that persistently repeats in the same musical voice, frequently in the same pitch. This is really common in music. I brought a couple clips of some ostinato, and when you hear them, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I, absolutely. So I want you to listen for the repeats in this. Are you ready? Yes. So this is Bolero by Ravel. The Super Mario Brothers theme has ostinato. Yes. There's an ostinato there. Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. That dun, dun, ah, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. A Seven Nation Army couldn't hold me back. Nice. And even even a percussive element like the background here, We Will Rock You. Dum, dum, ch. Dum, dum, ch. Ostinatos tend to be very catchy. Yeah, interesting. Okay. If you think about Seven Nation Army or We Will Rock You, they're used as chants in stadiums. Yes. Because they're instantly recognizable. They're typically pretty simple. Yes. And the the four-note ostinato from Carol of the Bells, I could do that with absolutely no rhythm, and it would right. still sound the same. D, D, D. D, you'd still probably recognize it. I could do it in a completely different key. It transcends the music there. It is so incredibly catchy, and I think that's one of the things that makes me love it so much. Yeah. There's one more notable thing about the song, which is not as common in Christmas music. It's written in a minor key. At the 50,000-foot view, you think major key, happy, minor key, sad, and gloomy. Yes. And this song, when you listen to it... It definitely has a bit of a, a note of sadness to it. I found a clip of somebody who said, well, what would this song be like if it was written in a major key? And this is an artist named Corey Lennox. The difference is subtle, but this is not the same song, if you, you know, as a whole. Listen. No. I 
exactly what this is doing in my brain. No, no, it's, it's definitely <laughs> messing with my brain too. And it's recognizable as a version of Carol the Bells, but it doesn't it doesn't have the same gravitas or something to it. I don't know what the word is, but it's just wrong. My brain yeah. is rejecting that and saying, no, that's that's not right. Yeah, yeah. I, I need the pattern that I'm used to. Yeah, exactly. And it could be just that we've heard it so many times one way that you hear it a different way and it's just it's just not right. It would be like the seatbelt tone in your car sounding different. You're like, what's going on here? I am, um, and I'm sure it's because I've heard this too, but minor and major tones, obviously, in me, like I'm sure this is like everybody, evoke a positive or negative emotional. I feel like, sure, you know, to me, the minor tone is the twilight it is the sunset it is sort of the waning of whatever is happening and this song one of the things i like about it that's different is it sounds like happily like sometimes there's happily falling like and this sounds like you're kind of going down a stair like you know (laughs) over and over again (laughs) yeah this is like the smurfs playing carol the bells or something and i do not like it (laughs) the smurfs let's (laughs) let's talk about a few early versions of this song because as we mentioned Carol the Bells was written in 1936, and American recordings of the song in English began to surface in the 1940s on the radio. I brought a couple clips of it that kind of showcase the different sounds that the early versions had. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, this is Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians. Oh, God. I'm a recovering Pennsylvanian. Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians is a very old-timey sounding name for a group, too. Yes, it's a cool name, though, the Pennsylvanians. I I dig that. It's kind of neat. The next one I want to play is the Roger Wagner Chorale. Not, not to be confused with Roger Whitaker. <laughs> no. So now it's starting to get more recognizable as the song that we know as Carol the Bells. And I think listening to that last one and this one together really points out to me that I like a mixed choir. Yeah. I don't care for like the, the men's choir on its own as much. I like the female voice in there. Although I say that and the next clip I have is an all-female one. I'm not really sure what this was, but this is Phil Spitalny's Hour of Charm All-Girl Orchestra, which is a really unfortunate name. Really creepy name. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It only would have worked in the 40s. Yeah. Merry, 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 merry,
Ding, ding, dong, there is a song with juggling, all caroling. Ding, dong, ding, dong. So that was an all-female version. Much like the all-men's version, I didn't care for that at all. That was weird. And they took some liberties yeah. with the melody and the words there that I, I didn't care for. And also, the Hour of Charm all-girl orchestra. That just, ugh, yeah. skeevy. The name is not yeah. hold up. Nope. <laughs> uh, the last one of the early versions I want to play is the Robert Shaw Chorale. And by the way, Jay, I didn't know any of these groups. This is this all yeah. came from the research here. But when I hear this one, I would say, yep, that's the version I know. And there's that last bell fading away. I really like that. And one thing I want to point out about that, Jay, especially in the mixed choir here where you have that very high, it's probably a soprano. Yeah. The dynamics of the music are, uh, it, the dynamics being like the difference between the highs and lows, the, the, the power of it sometimes. Very, very apparent yeah. in there. Like it, it's almost, you know, we have our headphones on and we're listening to this like, it, it almost made me recoil a little bit. It had so much power and energy when, when they were hitting those high notes there. And Yeah, well, piercing would be the word I would use. <laughs> it, piercing, that's a great word for it. And I think that's part of it. And, and when it's not there, I miss it. So those were four early versions I found of going from the, the original 1936 into popular mainstream playing. I want to take one more quick break so we can grab a sip of water and take a breath. When we come back, we'll do everybody's favorite segment where we play a bunch of different versions of Carol the Bells. And Jay, I brought so many genres today. I want you to start thinking of every genre you can think of. And we'll, we'll play a, bit, a, a little game of does it exist in that genre, okay? Yes, this is like Baskin Robbins. Was it 36 Flavors or whatever? We've got everyone covered here. Oh, yeah, we sure do. All right, Jay, we're back, and this is everybody's favorite part here. We're going to do a whole bunch of versions of the song, and I apologize that we didn't put out the call on social media and ask for everybody's favorite versions. That would require a lot of pre-planning, and this episode came together in just a couple days' time. So we're going to try to get in the habit of asking people, and you're certainly welcome to write in when we omit your favorite version. There are so many of these, though, that it would be hard to cover every single one. As we discussed, Jay, mm. I can find a version of Carol of the Bells in almost any genre that you can think of. The song is incredibly, I'd call it malleable. It's easily adapted. I'm going to stump you out of the gate. Okay. I'm going to challenge you on that right now country i have a country version okay this is by a group called southern raised So I got country. What else you got? Give me some reggae. 
Not the best version on that one, but a good example of reggae. I know we're not trying to be critical on this one. I like the reggae cut, but it feels a little bit like too much like somebody just hit the reggae button on a Casio. <laughs> but covering the spectrum. What else you got? I would love to hear something with some teeth to it, because for me, my favorite version of this song are the metal, like hard edge versions of it. And there are several of them that are, are very good. I've got one by a group called August Burns Red. metal is a particularly good genre for this one. What do you think about scat jazz? You think I can find that? Let's do it. Hark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing the cheer to young and old, meek and the bold. Ding dong, ding dong, that is their song, with joyful ringing, all caroling. One seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere, filling the air. On, on they pound, raising the sound, or in and tail, sounding their tail. Gaily they ring while people sing songs of good cheer. Christmas is here. Merry, 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 merry Christmas. Merry, 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 merry that was an artist named Aubrey Logan. I liked that. That was very different. I didn't care for it. I Very talented, very good, but that was kind of like, <laughs> you know, that felt like a person who just burst into a room and started annoying you. <laughs> oh, take it down a notch, lady. What other genres you got for me? Can you do ska? You can't spell scat without ska. Yeah, this is an artist named Scatoon Network. Kind of ska punk, by the way. Nice. Have you ever heard of Kazookalele, Jay? No, I have not. <laughs> well, I have a Kazookalele version by an artist named Pockets Uke. Oh my God. That clip was a little too long, but I liked that toy piano at the end, so uh, I apologize for that. You might ask yourself, was there a dubstep version? Of course. You bet there is. This is the Capital Kings. And you'd say, oh, you know, dubstep's not really my thing. How about trap? 
Heck yeah, there's Trap. This is Nate, Males, and the Sticky Beats. Scott, let me hear Carol the Bells as presented through humans doing cat noises, please. If you happen to have it. <laughs> oh, kitty style. Sure. This is the regulars band. long yeah let's let's do a palate cleanser how about well you can imagine that this song sounds beautiful with handbells here's the bethel university department of music to the Bethel University Department of Music, right? That was beautiful, but handbell really isn't my thing, and I cannot imagine myself coming home and sitting down and wanting to listen to that. But I do give them total props for how amazing uh, of musicians they were here. I'll tell you what I would like to hear, though, Jay. Chip tune. Oh, yeah. was an artist named Rush Coyle. I don't know if it's a person or multiple people, but Rush Coyle has some amazing tracks on Bandcamp, and I would totally recommend checking it out if you're into chiptune. That's probably enough genres, Jay. How about we play some versions by popular artists? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so here's some popular artist versions. This is a violin version by an artist named Lindsey Sterling. And I say this is popular because on YouTube, this video has 76 million views. Uh, Lindsay Sterling, and I think we can agree she's making violin great again. Total energy in there. I would highly recommend watching the video. Yeah. This is the piano, guys. 
and they have 40 million views, which is not even close to 76 million, but I think we can agree that 40 million is still a pretty major amount. like that incredible uh, uh, use of effects on there really really enjoyed it yeah listeners of a certain age will recognize this version by john williams for his home alone soundtrack next version we have is by Kenny Rogers, one of your favorites, Jay. You mean the chicken guy? Christmas is here, bringing a cheer, tongue young and old, weak and the bold, ding dong ding dong, where is their song, with joyful ring, all caroling, one seems to hear, words of good cheer, from everywhere, filling the air, oh, how they pound, praising the sound, oh, in the mail, telling their tale, carry the ring, while people sing, song of the cheer, Christmas is here, I included that one because I thought it was interesting. It's not as common to hear versions by popular artists because you can't sing this song by yourself. You either multi-track yourself doing it or you, you know, share the, the spotlight with somebody else. I have a version here, Jay, and I have no idea if you're going to love it or hate it, but you have to give it credit for its originality. Okay. This is a version by Andra Day. That was a pretty unique version. I love Andre Day's voice. It gave me chills. Here's a version by Straight No Chaser. This is an a cappella version. Astute listeners will notice this is not the first time I've featured a 
acapella version by Straight No Chaser over an acapella version by Pentatonix. I just like Straight No Chaser so much better, and I don't think they get nearly the amount of airplay. So, Jay, no self-respecting list of versions of Carol the Bells would be complete without the completely overused, run-into-the-ground version by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Jay, it's not the song's fault that it was so popular that everybody wanted to use it. Yeah. But this song reminds me of every great Christmas light fight wannabe yes. Christmas light enthusiast. This is always what they play. So here's a PSA from us at Tinsel Tunes. Please stop doing it. There are so many other good songs out there. You're not being original when you use this. Yeah, there was a period of time back in the early 2000s before YouTube when the when the holiday light thing was first becoming a thing. And it was like an intersection of time before YouTube and when that technology was just happening. Yeah, exactly. And I can remember like getting a video of somebody's house and playing it like at a work offsite and being like, yo, like like with a few minutes when you had like access to the giant projector and the massive screen. Yeah. In a auditorium, like you guys got to see this. <laughs> Everybody, exactly. it was like a thousand people watching it. Like it was the greatest thing we've ever seen. It was fresh then. It's not fresh anymore. Exactly. It's played out. So find something new. If you want us to do a whole episode on songs you should play for your light display, we'll be happy to get Dwayne Bailey back on and and discuss it. Right on. All right, Jay, that was our episode today on Carol of the Bells. What were your thoughts? Um, you know, I really like the song. I think, obviously, it's a staple. You know, so saying I like it's like not exactly a hot take. <laughs> I prefer the lyrical, ver- or excuse me, the instrumental versions of the song. I'm not crazy about the lyrical versions, which I know are the reason why it is a Christmas song, or at least considered one largely today. Sure. But love the instrumentals, and definitely a few that you would add here. You know, one quick comment, uh, Scott, from a musicology standpoint, standpoint uh this is the kind of song that is very good and we just kind of you know it's a good segue from the christmas lights conversation this is a great song to use as the backdrop for something else that's holiday related because it's just a wonderfully recognizable instrumental that does Mm. feel very much like it's telling a story whatever that may be so definitely if you're good for a playlist of any kind of party but also good if you're putting together something for like a christmas project this is a great great background uh song i totally agree i love it i don't know if i like the instrumental more than i like the vocal there were versions of both that I really enjoyed. And, yeah. and like I mentioned, I could have played another dozen. I had another dozen all ready to go, but this episode would have gone an hour and a half by the time we got through them all. So we had to make some choices, some editorial choices. And, um, you know, if you don't like what we picked, yeah, give us an email, tinseltoonspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what, where we missed the mark. I hope everybody enjoyed this. I just wanted to do something related to the Ukraine and, and our hearts go out to the people that are in very, very difficult circumstances right now. And also the history of this song was so amazing. The more I dug into it, the more I found. And Did you enjoy that part, Jay? 
I did, yeah. And it was so much about it that I didn't know. And I loved it. And I really feel better for what I've learned. And like you understand something at a much more deeper level than I did before we did this episode. Yeah, I totally agree. And it makes me wonder what else I don't know. That's part of the fun of this entire thing is most of this information I didn't know a week ago. And now I do. And I hope we did it justice. So Night on, dude. That wraps it up today, Jay. Thanks for joining me. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Once again, please, if you like the show, if you don't like the show, if you're not sure what you feel, just drop us a review on iTunes anyway. We'd love to get those five-star reviews, but we want to hear from you no matter what. And if there's other songs you want to hear about, too, please reach out and let us know what you'd like us to dig in on. We're dying to research more nooks and crannies like this one. Yep. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Feliz Navidad. 